here, my man. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm very excited. As one of Johan's super fans, I'm very excited to be to be on the podcast and everything and chat away to my friend on a good Friday night. I'm pretty sure you are my most loyal fan. So I'm very appreciative of that, obviously, and I'm very happy to have you here. So without further ado, maybe you want to introduce yourself. That, that's, uh, I possibly am your biggest super fan. I've listened to every minute of every podcast you've recorded um, so far. Uh, I'm Tom, uh, to your viewers. I studied in Aberdeen with Johan um, and graduated in 2017. So feels like a long time ago now. Uh, and now I do, uh, I work as a consultant in London and have ambitions of running my own business um, in the not so foreseeable future um, is the goal. That was a nice introduction. Uh, if I don't, re if I remember correctly, you and me met when I was in my first year, correct? Uh, no, I think your second year. So we met through a Swedish friend of ours um, called Oliver Panzer, who I'm sure will enjoy a shout out if he listens to this, um, who lives in the same city as Johan. And we met on a very Aberdonian way of meeting on a pub crawl down for Aberdeen students listening to this or even Scottish students uh, on a street called Belmont Street. Uh, and it was a great awakening and it's been the, the dawn of a good friendship. So I, I'm pleased we met on a, on a pub crawl down Belmont Street. I'm actually a bit ashamed that I couldn't remember the, the exact year, but thank you for filming up that for no me. Because I remember before, I have, I've heard about your name before we met on the actual night. And because you were quite a household name, I remember in the business school, you were known as the guy with multiple internships. So I think that was sort of the talk of the town. And, and then I met you, obviously, and you just turned out to be a really cool dude. So I'm happy we met. Well, that's very kind, very kind words. And as someone who's classically British, I will downplay anything I do on this podcast over the next hour or so that we're talking. So <laughs> that's a very kind introduction, Johan. But I think that those words are not, not, not given to someone of my inferiority. <laughs> well, you are very British indeed. But maybe we should segue into the internships. So maybe yeah. you could like explain how you came across all those opportunities as a starter of this conversation? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question, mate. Um, and it, it's kind of like, a, it's a segment, obviously, like setting up the society that I did in Aberdeen and everything. And um, so on. It, it's a tough thing. I, I can appreciate it from any student who might be, whoever listens to this, whether it's someone who's 20 or so and looking at kind of opportunities, et cetera. It's, um, tough market like my key theme or message would be a, a lot of it's based around being a little bit gutsy and um a lot of it's around meeting people and not being afraid to meet people and leveraging friends or whoever that you might have um who may know someone a parent etc who can give you that so like my first internship was working for an asset management firm um within their kind of marketing department and i did a bit of fund management as well so i got to go to lots of meetings um, and so on, and got to create a couple of like brand initiatives. One which um, was for the Rugby World Cup at the time um, in 2015, which was pretty fun and cool because I got whatever I was advertising into the sort of Rugby World Cup um, dinner magazine um, at the time. 
The second like major thing I got off that was an advertising internship. Um, and I met that, and that again was through networking and meeting people that I actually worked with at the asset management firm I worked with. And we basically ended up getting quite drunk playing um, table tennis and um, but, um, whatever the thing, I can't remember, table football, that's it. Um, so I then went there. Um, I interned at a wealth management firm in Aberdeen, um, which was really good. And actually one of the people I'm really close to on my like journey and my career journey now, I still speak to very regularly, um, who I think you might've seen, Johan, if you came to the, one of the talks you ran as a society in 2017, I think. Um, beyond that, I then went and did accountancy for sort of a year and a half or so, which for me personally wasn't the best career move. I'm not here on your podcast to steer people in a certain career direction. Um, but I would recommend to people that they really think before they commit to their first job. Um, and then after that, so this is, I then moved to the current organization that I work at at the start of 2019, which is a um, sort of mid-tier consultancy firm. Um, and that's kind of like my high level career journey, I guess, at this point. You touched on a word there, which I, very much associate to you. You said networking. Yes. And obviously that's, I, from my perspective, it seems like you leverage your network yeah. quite a bit. And also like you very much are a proponent. I mean, you're very much like a big fan of networking. Can you maybe explain how that sort of started? If you, if someone told you to like network or if that was just a natural thing for you? I, I would start by saying that I was actually at school a very closeted inch. I was quite introverted, really, with lots of things, you know, with women, whoever it was, you know, friends. I think I kind of, I discovered my, I was bullied quite a lot when I was younger. So I got, you know, it took me a while to sort of discover, I guess, self-confidence, um, et cetera, in that regard. Um, no one ever told me, no one ever came with a script going, you've got a network to be. I think it was a leveraging the skills that I have, which is, I think, being a reasonably pleasant individual um, and just talking to people. It's not going in with any kind of motive. There's a very different thing between being aggressive in networking and your soft skills um, and using your soft skills to, I don't even like the word leverage because it sounds like I'm trying to gain something out of it. It's generally having a conversation with someone to try and get, you know, I mean, obviously there's an additional benefit out of it, but it's generally just trying to build relationships and the one piece of advice I'd always give to your viewers is that um ask people what they're doing in their day ask people how they are people love talking about themselves I like talking about myself I'm sure Johan likes talking about himself um so yeah it, it, it's just a soft skill really there's not a specific motive with that and I think a lot of particularly you know in your career the more senior you go um people will recognize that um they'll recognize the distinction. So it's getting to know someone on a personal basis. And then as a result of that, you build trust, et cetera. No, I think that's an excellent advice. And I would also advise you guys that are listening to this on a different point. I mean, maybe you're a bit introverted or shy, but just say hi to someone. I mean, that's just very simple to do. I mean, you don't even have to talk to the person immediately. Maybe you can say hi once or twice. And at, I mean, at some point, you will sort of be directed towards the conversational aspect of that interaction as well. And I, yeah. 
I learned that when I was, I don't know, 20 something. And I, I was quite not depressed, but you know, a bit sad and lonely. And I just decided I'm just going to say, keep saying, I'm just going to start saying hi to people. And, and people are quite surprised by that. And, but you, when you get the high back, I mean, it's quite hard not to smile. You know, when you smile, yeah. you, fe you feel the hormones in your body. I'm, I'm completely with you there, mate. I think it, it's a really simple thing. It's human decency. Um, I always, when I go shopping or whatever, if it's saying, I, I go, I, I'm a very erratic. I go to bed quite late as an individual. I go to bed at one in the morning. So my, my, my girlfriend will know this. I, I do a classical run to Tesco at 11.30 at night. And most of my university friends will know this going on a Wilshire walk. At some point, they'll be dragged with me to go for, for sort of an hour and a half long walk around Aberdeen if they knew me there or uh, in London now or wherever it is. Um, I, I do some of my best thinking walking, but I think m my point is that, um, yeah, you know, just decency, saying hello to someone, as you say, Johan, it makes a massive difference. So I, I say hello, it just, it just, it's just nice. You know, it just makes someone's day slightly better that you're showing appreciation or whatever. Or if you're telling someone they're doing a good job, for example, or, you know, you've got a server, for example, in a restaurant or a pub, who's just really bloody good at their job and they're really nice just actually saying to them, you're really good at your job and I'm really thankful for like the night you've given me, that goes a really long way to people. I mean, I 100% agree again. Just very simple things, but they are lacking in so many contexts. And I think a lot of people yeah. are just, I mean, not dying. That maybe might be the right wor wrong word in these times, but I mean, they are just longing for that sort of appreciation from someone. And if you can give it to them in return, you will, you will, feel much better as well obviously absolutely and by the way i mean i think i had my first wheelchair walk in stockholm i think <laughs> <laughs> a few years ago so i've been there and it's really it's really nice actually i enjoy it i i, I think walking is a great it's a really um i you know i look everyone everyone's entitled to do the form of exercise that makes them feel healthy and good about themselves but um Walking is one of the most underrated things people can do. I find when I'm, I went for a walk um, two weeks ago and I was talking to someone about the kind of business venture that I'm currently undertaking with a couple of friends. And yeah, you know, we, we spent four, we went on a, a, a 12 mile walk around London and I came home, at, you know, eight o'clock or so and I felt incredible. So it's not saying that people need to go. I know there's all this thing, you know, people go, I've got to go and run 5K four times a week. That's amazing. And that's great exercise. But actually, sometimes going for a walk, thinking, walking, you know, being with nature, etc. is really important. And I, I make myself go for a walk whenever I have a gap in my day for at least 40 minutes to get out and get um, vitamin D, which you and I probably don't get enough of in the UK and Scandinavia. No, very true. And also, I mean, you you get oxygen to your brain as well, obviously. And I remember when I was a kid, my mom always told me, like, regardless, you want always go for a walk. If you're happy, if you're sad, if you're angry, just go outside. And I took that advice to heart. And I think that's probably one of my favorite uh, activities to do. I mean, just out of every activity in the world, it's just walking, whether that's in nature, in, in town, you know, on a beach. It's just something. I always feel better. And I always, like, come up with good ideas and... Like you just said, though, I mean, I also do some of my best thinking out walking as well. So, yeah, good advice again, Thomas. I, I think we, we have, I, I, I noticed this, and this is going to sound like a really random reflection, but Johan and I regularly, will, we probably speak once every three or four weeks or so, and we speak for an hour or so. 
And I think both of us probably either walk around our living room um, or go for a walk outside. I can very regularly hear Johan outside because I can hear lots of wind or him going into a lift or something. So, um, and I, I'm also the same. I'm, I'm a walker and a talker with that. Yeah, I guess you're quite energetic personas as well, though, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, just to take it back to the networking aspect. So you had those internships yeah. and you didn't leverage, but you liked to network and leverage was just yeah. a beneficial side effect of the whole thing. But you started something at university as well, didn't you? I did, yeah. I think it, it, it's... Um... For anyone who doesn't listen to this who's outside of Aberdeen, they'll go, what are they on talking about? So I set up a thing called Internetwork in my, the idea came to me in my penultimate year at university, um, sitting in a restaurant, which I spent much too money in called Keelau in Aberdeen. And Johan's smiling because he knows where this is. Um, and yeah, then it, then it launched. So the whole initiative was around um, it launched in September 2016. I'm really pleased to say that it's still running in its fifth year. And it's one of the biggest business societies in Aberdeen still, which makes me really proud as one of the founders of it and my team who set it up. Um, the whole initiative was around getting, getting students like myself and others who joined my starting team to leverage their experience um, around the internships, the spring weeks, the um, graduate jobs they obtained and then sharing that advice and knowledge with students who might be any range of the way between year one through to a PhD student. Uh, I found this running the society that we got an absolute range of people who had absolutely no idea how to write a CV through to some students who were really quite capable and probably didn't need our advice. Um, but the whole idea was helping people around assessment centers, interview preparation, in some cases, just writing a basic CV. Um, yeah, and yeah, you know, I, I, it's something that makes me really, you know, it, it, it's something that still connects me to Aberdeen University now because I still tend to speak to the um, current incumbent president. And yeah, it's, it's an awesome initiative and um, it benefits a student, it benefits a city in, a, in Scotland that possibly isn't attracted by all the top UK graduate employers, etc. No, I mean, I'm very impressed with that initiative. And I have to admit something. I remember back in the days when, when that initiative, I mean, when I was still a student at Aberdeen, and I didn't, I didn't use that uh, sort of that um, society to, to benefit my careers. I don't know, I think it's my, I think it was it was my ego was a bit a little bit too big back then and i i was so many so many more years senior than most people as well so i, was, I mean i guess i had like six seven years of most people mm -hmm. so i think i was like no nah, i'm not gonna let these kids you know teach me how to how to get a job which resulted in the fact that i didn't get my first business job until i graduated university so that was that's my uh, that's me admitting to the fa that fact and i i mean and i I remember you and me reconnecting as well. I think it was 2017 when, or 18 maybe. 18, I think we met, we met for, um, I came to give a talk in Aberdeen and we then met and had a really nice morning. We went, um, we went to the, um, well, we, I, I was doing a tour around Scotland because I had a few days off and I was moving between jobs. And um, 
we met for brunch somewhere near my hotel that I was staying in at the time, near Aberdeen train station. And um, yeah, it was lovely. And we were talking a lot about surfing, kind of a lot of the things. I, yeah, you know, we talked about a range, a range of things. And, you know, I think we probably, you know, look, we're, we're good friends now. We talk regularly, um, but have both shared some of the kind of struggles that you get between leaving university, you know, and that kind of, that stage of starting work and, you know, not to sound cliche, but trying to find yourself and find yourself in the world and what you stand for, etc. Yeah, because I remember I, I think I came to London, was it in February? I mean, just before Corona struck yeah. globally, right? And then, yeah. and both me and you were in not the best state to say the least. And that was obviously post uni. Yeah. And I'm not sure if you want to be too detailed, but maybe you want to talk a little bit about that sort of period and how you managed to sort of climb back into the, the light, sort of, so to speak. Um, I mean, I'll be very, I'm very open and happy to be transparent about this. I had a lot of challenges going on in my life at the time. Um, I, I was on a busy engagement at work. Um, unfortunately, my granny was very unwell at the time. Um, and my girlfriend is a very big part of my life. She'd gone back to New York at the time. So my girlfriend is to the viewers listening is based in New York. Um, and we met in New York. Um, but yeah, I, I got slightly overwhelmed and got, you know, had to take some time off work as a result of that. Um, and there's that real kind of flux when you, you know, something like that happens, your body kind of is, I don't want to say in panic, but it kind of, you know, it's quite overwhelmed and my sleep, you know, over a month period completely deteriorated. I was lucky to get sort of three hours sleep a night. And um, so it's kind of just training your body just to stop panicking and um, learning to learning to deal with that. So I started um, doing, you know, I started meditating. I started using an app called Headspace. Um, and then I started doing yoga um, more around April time, uh, March, April. And then I started, um, and this was around furlough, etc. So sadly, my granny passed at the end of March. Um, and there were a lot of other things going along with that. You know, I didn't know about job certainty at that point. Um, so I think Johan kind of saw me halfway through that perspective. Um, and then, you know, I, I got fortunate. I was off work for two or three months um, with furlough which actually the timing of it worked brilliantly for me. Um, so I, I meditated, I did yoga, I got incredibly fit. I ate really well. Um, I stopped drinking as much. Um, yeah, and you know, I don't, you know, I don't necessarily keep to all these, you know, now in whatever November, nearly December, 2020, we're recording this. Um, I don't, you know, I don't keep to all those virtues. I still do enjoy a drink. I'm having a glass of wine talking to Johan now, but, um, yeah, I've learned a set of skills and tools that um, help me um, with those challenges if they were to arise again. Yeah, because I remember talking to you, I mean, right after I left and I sort of like for the next, I don't know, I think maybe fourth night we spoke maybe once a week. And I, yeah. and I thought to myself that you were, you were getting better very quickly during that period. And you were so psyched up about your running and the whole sort of uh, breath work with Arthur Paulins. Um, good man. Good man. Yoga. 
So that was very impressive, man. I think, and you, I mean, and you could hear that in your voice as well that, yeah, there was something positive going on. Although um, obviously there was a global shutdown and you yeah. were out of work, so to say. Although fur, although you got furlough, which is a government scheme, right? Where they pay eighty yeah. percent of your salary. Is that correct? Yeah, it's it st still stands today at the moment because um the UK is just coming out of lockdown next week as we speak right now so um yeah that's very much a correct way of putting it yeah and obviously i don't have any affiliations with arthur paulvin but i mean why not just let, let's talk a little bit about his method do you do you care to exp explain a little bit what it is and what it did to you yeah of course so i i got i was seeing a sleep therapist at the time um and she recommended me arthur paulins so arthur paulins is based off the wim hof um Breathwork. So Wim Hof is a Dutch guy, if I'm correct, Johan. Correct. Yeah, who um, he went through a range of adversities. So sadly, his wife committed, I think, suicide in the 1990s. And he, to deal with that, put himself in sort of extreme situations of learning to be in, you know, under underwater, um, etc. And yeah, and then he sort of exploded around his breathing techniques um, exploded around 2015, 2016. And the, the guy that I now do a lot of classes with, um, Arthur Paulins, is trained off Wim Hof. So he is an old, he's a Latvian, arch, he used to be a Latvian architect who then moved in. He did a lot of jujitsu and so on when he was younger. And then he went to one of these Wim Hof weekends or training camps, I guess. Um, really enjoyed it then went and got himself Wim Hof qualified I get um, as a Wim Hof instructor um, and then he started in the last two to three years running his own classes so um, he runs a thing called Breathwork Academy um, which I've not taken a part in but it's something that I intend to try and get involved with in, in the next 12 months and that's a six-week course where you work with other people around breathwork etc um, and what I started doing is it was a real kind of upgrade on Headspace. I think Headspace is a great beginner's app for meditation and so on, but it was very sort of, it was very, yeah, he would do these 15 minute breathwork classes at 9am or it's now 8am in the morning and it would be on a range of things. So it would be things like energize, uh, attentiveness, um, depending what the weekly theme was. And then he started doing these weekly classes is on a Wednesday night at 7 p.m., which would be a one-hour class where he would take you through a range of breathing techniques, predominantly through the mouth, um, which when you're starting will feel, I found it breathing through my mouth at first, really strange. Um, and yeah, I, I tend to do those. He's now doing them for free online on Instagram. And I have to say, it's revolutionized my life. I, I've, when I do them and I've had, you know, I working quite a stressful career as it is it's um amazing stress buster and i you know i have other friends who use it as well and who i've recommended it to who have found it really beneficial so i you know to anyone listening i think meditation yoga whatever being connected to your body nature etc is really important no i i agree as well i mean i started meditating last year and i used waking up waking up which is sort of a similar app to headspace but from a guy called sam harris Ooh. who's a philosopher and neuroscientist but right. i tried head, headspace as well and they're both excellent apps and very i mean 
and it gives you a sort of a nice entry into meditation. And, and obviously it's not meditation for like, you know, you don't sit there for eight hours, but it's just, you know, 10, 15 minutes a day. And it, it goes, a, it goes a long way to sort of change a lot of things in your life. And to me, they're very subtle in the beginning, but gradually over time, you start feeling it a little bit more, but then I mean, breath work. And I started doing Wim Hof, the breath work uh, method of his, when you do like 30, 30 breaths through your mouth, like in and out, in and out. And then you sort of hold without breathing. And that's, I mean, that's definitely sort of an altered stage of consciousness because you sit there and obviously your entire body is energized, right? Because you've been deep, you've been deep breathing for like, thir- I mean, 30 breaths in and out. And then when you sit there and hold your breath, you start seeing all this like shimmering lights in front of your eyes and you start feeling the tingling sensations in your body and you really connect with your body. And I had a hard time connecting with my body with only meditation, but when I started doing the breath work, it sort of all mm. came together and I really got a f- sense of my body. And now I actually have a more sense of a body with med- ordinary meditations as well. And I think that's predominantly through breath work. I, just to add to that, I would say one thing as well, when you're meditating or breath work, etc. there's always, there's always, you kind of go into the depth of meditation and your breath work, but there's also a thing where, you know, whoever your meditation instructor or breath work instructor is, and they just go, pause, think, you know, and I always find the bit between like my eyes and my brain, um, when they say focus on that part of the body, that that's the bit where, so you said you're kind of stimulated around, you know, large parts of your body. I always find this bit between my brain and my sort of like forehead, I guess, really, um, yeah, really stimulated by when I'm in sort of meditation um, or breath work. I mean, that's so fascinating. But I mean, maybe that's your third eye. Very possibly. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. This is still, I'm, I would still say I'm in the very embryonic stages of meditation and breath work. But um Something I keep pitching to Johan is I want to go and do one of these with Johan is one of these sort of mad adventures um, where with Wim Hof where we go and climb Fuji or something in Japan in a pair of boxes or whatever. So to all the listeners, you can hold Johan accountable to go on one of these trips with me um, for a bit of fun. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to say it here. So it's going to be on air. So this is going to be the evidence. I will go on a Wim Hof execution with you at some point for sure beautiful <laughs> to all uh, the viewers that that's important to know and we can film it and vlog it and then you know we'll launch a podcast on an island or on, on, a, on a mountain top or something ah there we go man there we go and it, i have to ask you do you do uh, cold showers as well i don't do cold showers no i think that's something that i need to do um, I keep my, so I would say my showers at a very moderate temperature, so I don't go in and it, I, I can always, I always have to change the temperature dial after my girlfriend using a shower because she goes in and it's sort of, you know, like a greenhouse. Um, <laughs> whereas for me, I'm kind of like, I, I quite like a sort of shower that's very much lukewarm at best. Lukewarm, so British. Absolutely. You know, we're half baked. It's like, it's a bit like Goldilocks and her porridge. Um, you know, kind of the sort of the middle, the, the too hot and then too cold. Um, you know, you'll never find you. We won't quite fit the middle ground. We'll just sort of bumble along in life. But I guess I guess that's yeah, the, the British way of life, I guess. Yes. Which obviously a lot of people seem 
drawn to somehow. I mean, I do as well. Uh, maybe it's the pubs as well, you know? You cannot beat pub culture in Britain, mate. That, it's generally one of the best things about this country. And I always remember, I was listening to an interview the other day by a famous celebrity, and he said he lived in LA for a couple of years. And he said the one big thing about Britain that he always misses is his local pub. And coming back in, there's something very, very, yeah, very, no other country can do it the way the British do, which is good. I mean, you've got to be careful with those kind of statements. But um, um, in terms of going to a pub, yeah, there's nothing better. Um, and it's something that I, I really, in the first lockdown we had, I missed badly. And um, the UK comes out of lockdown next week, and I'm very excited to sit in a restaurant, a bar, or a pub with friends or, you know, Chelly or whoever, and just, yeah, just indulge in, in a good pint of Peroni or, you know, punk IPA or whatever, whatever's on a draft. Yeah, I mean, regardless if you go into a pub, any pub in England or Wales, I mean, I haven't been to Wales, but I can assume, or, or Scotland for that matter, and I've been to Scotland, obviously, I've been talking about Aberdeen every single episode so far, so I think people have figured out that, yeah, you've probably been to Scotland, right? <laughs> <laughs> or or even Ireland for that matter, even though it's not the UK, it's still oh it's still same same but different. Mm. And I don't know what it is though, but for me, entering any sort of pub in the UK, it's just very homey. Just there's just there's so much I don't know, history and and I don't know, it's the environment. It's a whole sort of environment. I don't know what it is, though, but it just feels right. Somehow. Some of the, like, I, I think pub culture does everything. It, it, it's, it's a place where if you're visiting London, it's the first place I will ever take you as a pub um, because it's such an, for me, it's a big part of my life. It's um, even if you don't drink, um, you know, for whatever reason, it's, um, it's just a unique experience. Um, in you know to come to to come to London um, and so much stuff happens in the pub whether it's watching your football team play your rugby team play you know whether it's watching a Wimbledon semi final where you know if you're British you've seen a lot of defeats to Andy Murray or whoever uh, or whether it's a business deal or you know just going to the pub with a bunch of work colleagues or whoever it, or people meeting their life partner in a pub um, it's the hive of activity. Um, for people and you know I, I some of my best relationships are based off meeting people whether in Scotland London further abroad um, are based around sitting in a bar or pub or meeting people it brings people together that's that's where that's my view on it no I really agree and I mean when I came back to Sweden and you know entering a pub or a bar here is just not the same it's not, no, I, I would agree with you. I mean, I've, I've been, um, I was last in Sweden in 2019, where I, Johan and I went for a good lunch, and that's where Johan referred to the famous Wilshire Walk. Um, no, it's not the same. Um, they do have an English pub um, somewhere, or an Irish bar, I'm sure, but um, it's still, it's still sort of forced, um, whereas if you come to, you still, I, I think when you next come to London, we'll take you to a really good, um, Sort of countryside pub, and that's that's a different case. The fish in it to a city bar. No, I mean I agree, I agree, but I mean 
when I saw you in London, we went to the big Brewdog bar. And I mean, and for those of you who listened to the episode with Cameron, you you know I like Brewdog. And I'm actually sipping on a Brewdog now as well. And I know that Thomas has a strong feeling for that brand as well. Love them. They, yeah, they, they epitomize everything that I want to do in my future business, but probably not do. Um, because what to, do, to create what Brewdog have created is very hard um, in the current environment. But for a business that was set up by two, you know, by James Watt and Martin Dickey and, his, and whoever's dog it was in um, 2007 or 2008, um, it's a pretty amazing story. You know, they, you know, for Johan and I living in Aberdeen for a long time, I think it probably makes you more connected to the business and feel closer to Brewdog. Um, but they're an incredible brand. Um, you know, you know, when you've had Cameron on before, he's talked about the fact they're carbon negative. Um, you, you know, their, their, their marketing is amazing, you know, in terms of sometimes being really gutsy in terms of what they do. Um, they launch really good products. They've launched the most successful crowdfunding piece in history. No one's ever raised as much money as they have. Um, and it's because they've got an absolutely amazing passion for trying to revolutionize an industry. There will be people who criticize that and who are not a fan of their business. But I, I think as someone who, you know, both of us living in the 21st century and both being relatively young, um, they're an amazing brand and I think they appeal to a really wide variety of people. And even, you know, they, they serve products as well, which serve every drinking taste. They serve Lone Wolf, you know, gin. They've got good non-alcoholic beer range like Nanny State. Um, yeah, and obviously the, the one that we went to in Tower, near Tower Bridge is one of their flagship um, London pubs and it's absolutely massive. And um, yeah, I, I, Johan was very happy when we went there. Oh yeah, I'm a I'm a diehard fan. I just had to say it. I mean, and the beer as well. The beer is just so goddamn tasty. It's just incredible. And to to go back to the whole sort of like UK and pubs. I mean, the main attraction of Brudo, I mean, is to go to the pub because the atmosphere there is just so good. But they obviously managed to take that atmosphere and package it into a brand with obviously, I mean incredible marketing to back it up with and just export it i mean throughout the globe yeah. right and now it's the most valuable sort of most valuable like microbrewery in the world i mean i i would be very surprised if there's anyone that competes with them i think they would be yeah i mean in terms of a business that's 12 years old and worth two billion pounds or nearly what one and a half billion or however much it's worth it's pretty amazing but they do really clever things, mate. Like they, they, you know, they do things like, you know, you go to their hotel in Colorado or they're opening a, they're opening, this might be one for you to come and visit when you come to the UK, they're opening a hotel in Manchester. Um, and, you know, you go into the shower and you've got punk IPA on tap um, or beer taps. I mean, for someone who's a beer drinker, I mean, you know, I can imagine on a night out meeting friends in the post-coronavirus world, you know, being able to sit there in a shower, I'm now drinking a fruit dog beer as well. Um, to be able to have, you know, have a punk IPA, your shower head sharing, that's a pretty lethal combination of beauty, I would say. And I mean, Manchester is a funny city to party in as well. So I think that could be a very good combo. 
<laughs> yeah, they'll do very well. Manchester, if, if you're not a UK listener, is probably the most up and coming city in the UK. Um, it's got a lot of yeah, a lot of buy, a lot of global buyers right now into it, and the property prices there are booming. So, um, yeah, it's, it's becoming very popular with with I guess hip, you know, yuppies, which is young professionals or you know young hipsters or whatever who don't live in London. Um, or want to come from further afield and don't want to live in London. The only thing I didn't like with Manchester was the lack of green areas in uh, the city centre. Maybe I was just blind to it. I just didn't see many parks or any parks, really. You've got to go further out in Manchester. They do have some stuff, but not in the centre. You're right. It's more, um, if you go more towards the university, there's more greenery that way in the city. Mm, I see I mean, and I don't know if you saw that on LinkedIn, but James Watt, the CEO and one of the co-founders of Brewdog, he actually released like his top 10 mistakes as a Brewdog CEO today. Oh, really? I didn't see that. No, I'd be, I would love you to tell me more. What, 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 what were they? Uh, I can't remember all of the points, but they, I mean, you mentioned Lone Wolf, right? Which is yeah. the Brewdog gin. And obviously, yeah. there was a, and obviously there was a London-based pub, I think. Or it was an, like, anyway, a pub in England named Lone Wolf. So in, mm. when they were releasing the gin, they actually sued oh, really? that pub. And they were going after them, like a little, like, you know, like, like a local pub. And, but then, obviously, I think the backlash was so, so hard. I mean, quite understandably, because, I mean, you have, here you have this, like, you know, to, to be, I mean, about to be a giant company. I mean, going after a local pub just because the brand sort of, the name of the pub interfered with the launch of their gin, but they obviously they took they took back the so that that didn't go through and they apologized and that was one of the main points today as well, which I think is quite I mean that's I mean that's good leadership to admit your mistakes, right? Yeah, you know, as someone who's trying to set a business up, I'm I'm very much on the learning curve of working with two other business partners and having to learn. So I think being open and transparent and to ever you know your employees we don't have any employees at the moment but to anything you do i think it's really and actually in your day-to-day job um being open to feedback etc and you know on your day job is really important because it makes you a better a better human and better you know your daily 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 stuff that you do whatever that is to your listeners no i agree uh, and also another an- another of the points he talked about was that the, he o- they overestimated uh, the demand for sour beer, so they <laughs> <laughs> so they, they set up a pretty like large scale operation in the in their brewery in Elam outside Aberdeen, and obviously yes. sa- and they didn't uh, sour beer didn't really take off as they expected, so now they like they <laughs> they shrinked it and now they're just gonna like have a large like a small scale operation but i think it costs quite a lot of money i'm not uh, surprised <laughs> and i think another uh sort of mistake was when they were when they were launching in america they were shipping beers over from the uk on, i think mm. uh, on a ferry but uh, they didn't cool the beer right okay so obviously it was tra- traveling this great distance yeah, uh, uncool. So, like you know, the, the beer wasn't really like you know tasty. I mean, obviously, it probably took out all of like the good, the good flavors and stuff. I mean, I don't know the chemistry behind that. Maybe you can elaborate. 
I cannot elaborate on the chemistry because I'm not very scientific, but um, yeah, that, that, that's, um, I, I think a lot of, I think a lot of business, I think Brewdog's an amazing business. I still think, you know, both you and I are big, almost, you know, massive fans of them, but any organization, there's that kind of stage of growth when you get to, you can see it with lots of companies like WeWork or whoever it is, they get too big too quickly, almost. Um, you know, WeWork was being valued at $47 billion earlier this year, and it's now worth, I don't know what it's worth, but it's worth in, I think, probably either $10 billion or well below that. Um, there's that stage of growth, and there's, there's kind of, you do all this amazing stuff, and then you hit that new level, and then you've got to go again. And there's sometimes a little bit of kind of, and this is what I talk a lot about with the other guys I'm going in with, is that, you know, if we get to that point, we need to rein ourselves back in because that's kind of, I guess it's quite egotistical. You know, you get, you, you're making all this crazy stuff, your demand's mental. Um, it's that point of checking back out and going, we've run this concept for five, 10 years, we're doing great, but what do the next five to 10 years look like? And just pausing a little bit for businesses. And I think, it sounds a little bit like James or whoever, Martin Dickey, who runs Brewdog or, you know, other businesses having that process of hindsight or stopping a little bit would be good advice. I think it would be an excellent advice, but I mean, I haven't been in that situation, but I mean, I can just look at my own life, you know, when things going well, right, you're in the flow. I mean, you just want to keep yeah. expanding, expanding, expanding. And I mean, yeah. keep just pushing, pushing, pushing. And it's, I don't know, it's quite... I don't want to say hard, but it's, it might be a challenge to have that foresight to just like, you know, take a deep breath, assess the situation and maybe take a step back. That's it's, it's, it's a brilliant point, mate. It's a brilliant point because I think particularly if your life has been quite turbulent or it's not been that sort of comfortable or, you know, cause it, I, I don't know, you get a lot of people who just flow, you know, in, in university, they go through school, they go through university. It's all great. They get a first class, they get whatever. And it's all very easy. Um, but it, you know, for a lot of people that doesn't work for me, it never worked that way. Um, and sometimes, you know, being momentum, it, humans are very momentum based, as you say. So when things are going well, people don't want it to stop, but, life will throw roadblocks at you and you've got to stop sometimes and just um you know you know use resilience really i think as humans we're a little bit scared to be resilient at times and you know we want everything to go well like my 2019 was brilliant my 2020 has been really bloody challenging um but that th this year will give me a lot of strength going forward as well and in a way, I think this year, I mean, I don't, I know it's, this might sound egoistic, egotistical and stuff as well, but I think the Corona is not all bad. I think it's, it was, I think it was good for sort of humanity in a way to understand that things, bad things can happen to a, a lot yeah. of people. And yeah. especially, especially for people like, you know, middle-class people in the West, like myself, I think in a way it was a good reminder with, I mean, obviously with negative outcomes that yeah you know it's not it's not, it's not just rainbows and you know fun things out there it's, i mean bad things happen and it's sort of up to you to respond and quite i mean quite frankly i've been lucky as well during corona i mean i kept my job i mean i have 
a pretty safe flat. I mean, my family's doing doing okay. I mean, my friends are doing okay. So I haven't really had to use that resiliency that much during Corona, to be fair. But there's also something which is like quite interesting because even though my life is going well, I mean, obviously I'm not blind to what's going on, the suffering around me. And obviously it's quite hard not to feel other people's sort of suffering. It's almost like it's a collective consciousness of some sort, right? Yeah. I, I, I think, um, I think you raise a really good point. I think there's been a lot of, you know, suffering through COVID. I, I you know, throughout it and I know a lot of people including myself who have lost people due to coronavirus but I think in terms of a reset button it's been really good for lots of people because it's meant it's been good for people in terms of a work-life balance some people have been in careers where they've gone actually this is really not good for me I need to stop and I need to check out and I you know a lot some really good friends of mine have made changes like that um in their time and you know but I respect that and I'm pleased for them um and for other people, you know, outside of work, socially, et cetera, um, you know, I've not been able to travel to see, you know, yourself in Sweden, you know, other friends in Finland, Sweden, you know, Denmark, wherever, you know, further afield than that. I've not been able to go to America this year to see Chelly. Um, but it makes you stop and pause a little bit and reevaluate and go, what's really important in my life and what's really fundamental. Um, and... Yeah, I think it, it stopped us all and made us appreciate um, things in a, you know, this year compared to what we've had previously. Where Because life's been go, go, go for the last, you know, certainly for me in the last 10 years prior to coronavirus, life's been, you know, like, you know, it's been sort of go, go, go. You do this, you want to do this. Um, and actually for, for myself personally, it's been a really good reset button um, and has got me to pause and think. And I think it's probably the same possibly for yourself, mate. And for others as well no i mean uh yeah no i agree on that i mean i've been also thinking quite a lot about what i wanted to do i mean i launched this podcast during corona i mean maybe i would have done it anyway but i mean i think i just i don't know had more energy and more decision making to actually to actually go and do it so i'm pretty pleased about that is there a podcaster that inspired you? I'm, I'm always interested in podcasters. I know it's slightly off tangent, but I'm interested. Yeah, I mean, we can go off tangent as much as we want. Uh, a podcast that inspired me. Yeah, an individual one or a podcaster who inspired you. I mean, I always, I always liked uh, Joe Rogan. Yeah. Just because he's just doing his own thing and he doesn't really care that much. I mean, yeah, obviously... I think he cares a little bit more now when he's on a Spotify deal. So I think I don't think he might not be as free moving forward as he used to be in terms of like I mean what's he saying about like I mean maybe different politicians and stuff. I mean I'm not sure, but I think that could be the case. But he, the thing with him, he just brought so many different perspectives, and he has brought in so many cool people, and even people that pe that a lot of a lot of other people just hated, right? They hated like this guy's guts, not Joe Rogan, but like a guy he brought in, and he doesn't. He, I mean, Joe Rogan didn't really care; he just brought him in and talked to him. And I think that probably changed a lot of people's opinions about that certain person that Joe Rogan brought in. And you know, he just talked about stuff 
that he wanted to talk about. And I think that's really cool. And I'm not sure where this podcast is going. I'm not sure if I found my style yet. But I'm just, you know, trying out a little bit. And I'm, you know, experimenting. Uh, I think another good podcaster is uh, Tim Ferriss. I listen to Tim Ferriss quite a lot. Mm -hmm. I, I, I will check Tim Ferriss out. I, I'd be, be intrigued to listen. I, for me, my, my Joe Rogan podcast that I really like is Nick Yaris, who is... Um, a guy who was put on death row for 22 years and um, got some amazing life advice for anyone who I think, you know, listening to this, it's, um, it's one hour and 44 minutes. And um, yeah, it's an awesome listening. It's an awesome thing to listen to. I haven't, I haven't heard that one, but I've heard about, uh, about, uh, was it Tim Yaris? Nick Yaris. Nick, Nick Yaris. Nick Yaris. Nick Yaris yeah. And also what I like about the, both like uh, Ferris and Joe Rogan, I think they inspire a lot of people in different ways. I mean, they're, quite, I mean they, they're not similar, but they do inspire people to take action and to, I mean, change their life for the better, like, you know, with, through like meditation, through, I mean, I know Joe Rogan talks about DMT quite a lot, <laughs> but maybe that's not for everyone, but it's part of the spiritual thing, right? And they talk about, I mean, they talk yeah. about, yeah. you know, health, I mean, health and, you know, dieting. And also they bring in a lot of cool people to, to discuss that with as well. So what about yourself, man? Do you have any podcasts that inspired you? Um, I'm a big, there's a guy in the UK called True Geordie, who I'm a big, um, big fan of, um, who is a guy from Newcastle, uh, um, who is like a FIFA YouTuber and, I actually listened to his Nick Yaris podcast first. He did one. And then I listened to um, Joe Rogan a couple of months ago. And um, Nick Yaris is someone that, yeah, just as an epitome of humanity for someone that's gone through, you know, if I, if I got locked away in prison for a murder that I didn't commit for 22 years, I'd be pretty annoyed. Um, I mean, I'd be more than that. I'd be very fucked off and pissed off. But um, yeah, you know, he... Yeah, it was an awesome podcast. I, you know, I recommend True Geordie's kind of probably the biggest UK podcaster. Joe Rogan's obviously probably by far the biggest world podcaster um, that we listen to. And Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan, you know, creates content like that. It's incredible. Okay, I have to, I have to look up Nick Yaris now because I assume that he gives some perspective and he's not very resentful. I mean, I haven't heard it, but I can assume that he, when he goes on those shows, he's not sitting there and blaming the system. He's probably quite, you know, I don't know, happy to be out and yeah. shows, shows some appreciation of life. Is that correct? That is very correct. Can I also say, by the way, my laptop is about to shut down in about one minute, just so I'm aware. Can I, just so you don't lose this recording, yeah, no, I, I saw that uh, on the chat. Okay, I, you know what? It was good to have you here, Tom. Uh, I'm supposed to have to do I just this another time as well. We'll have to do this another time because my laptop is about to restart in about one minute, which I realized uh, <laughs> I was not aware of. So I don't want it, like you to lose your recording of this. Um, it, it was good talking to you, though, man. And thank you. I mean, thank you for coming on. Not at all, and I'd love to do, you know, it's been awesome, Johan, and, you know, I'm sorry that I've had to, like, jump so quickly, because um, this is something I didn't perceive, but, um, no, it's been awesome chatting to you, mate, and um, thank you so much for having me on, I'd love to come on again at some other point. I will definitely bring you on, my man. Okay, dude, 
have a have a nice night and i talk to you soon yeah talk to you soon have a lovely weekend mate look after yourself you too bye bye yeah bye 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 well sometimes technology works in unexpected ways but man this was a fun episode thomas has so many good things to say and i'm sure i'm gonna bring him along in a future episode until my next episode i hope you guys have a blast and an amazing life